Hey everyone, I'm Liza. And I'm Riss. And I'm Jess. And this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Fellas, welcome back. Jess has her pen. I have my pen. You're ready to take some notes. I'm ready to take some notes and like have like a good girly discussion about Geek Love. A little lecture episode of uh, Little Sleep Much Reading. Yeah. Do you think kids have to read Geek Love in school? No. Absolutely not, bro. Absolutely, it's banned. I bet I like it's not even read enough to be banned at this point. Like, I was like, can you imagine like in high school and you can't find a single fucking spark notes on this book, so you find this podcast? (laughs) Um, wait, which one of you did both of you read this before this episode? Just wrist. Oh, Eliza didn't. I did. Okay. So I just I just read this. All right. I kind of want to know, like, not to take hold of the podcast or anything, but I kind of want to know your, like, initial reaction. Just do it. Just take control. Be, be the be the third host. In case anybody listening is very confused, this is a special episode. <laughs> with a special guest, Jess. I'm Jess. With our um, best friend. Eliza. Yeah, we're best Why is it a special episode? It's a special episode because... Folks, you made it through another season of Little Sleep, Much Reading. It's the season finale. We're ending it on a good note. It's low-key a memorial episode for Miss Catherine Dunn. Um, Yeah, rest in peace, queen. Peace. I think she died on May 11th. Yeah. Uh, Let's find out the year. 2016, I believe it is see yeah not long may 11th 2016 and she did not live very long life she was only born in 1945 so she was not super old when she died only yeah 1945 that's a baby boomer right there that is a baby boomer but i still wait let's do the math um (laughs) i have to get out a calculator because we all went to art school Um, and we don't know she was 71 so not well i mean that is kind of young for old people nowadays to die yeah so i guess we don't know i don't know what she died of it could probably some kind of probably some kind of cancer sorry Catherine, but it's probably died of lung cancer well that's like an overdose of nicotine and that's also very iconic like lots of writers love to die of lung cancer oh my gosh look what i have right here she's got you're disgusting egg. i'm so sorry guys like this is what that's i'm so gross <laughs> i know very geek love of her though yeah is it i feel like geek love would just be like a combination of different pills yeah but it's still like it's very gritty geek love is heroin geek Geek love is crack. Um, but but yeah, that's why this episode's a little special. Jess, would you like mm-hmm. to introduce yourself formally? Oh yes, first? yes, yes. Okay, so my name is Jessica D'Ambrosio. That's my full given name, and I went to Pratt Institute with Liza and Riss at the ripe age of eighteen, and then we met and became friends and now we're lifelong friends and we all share the same love of writing after pratt i started at sarah lawrence for my mfa in writing creative writing so i think that i have something to contribute to this this discussion a little bit maybe possibly and that's me that's you and ever since I have known you, I feel like this has been your favorite book, even though that can't be true. Because did you read it at college or had you read it before? Um, I read it in Eric Rosenblum's um, cult classics class, which was my sophomore year. Okay. So we really didn't become friends until junior year, right? Right. So that makes sense as to why I associate this book with you and you alone. I kind of love that you associate it with me. Like, I just am that obnoxious about this book. 
like beating you over the head with it. I had fun reading it for the first time. It's a fun read. It, it is. Remember, I told you that I that I kept coming downstairs to my dad and being like, I don't know what I just read. <laughs> it's really unhinged. Literally. Don't oh, yes. you think that Geek Love is very much Jessica's writing? Yes. So Love that. So happy. I was reading it and it kept reminding me of Six. Oh, yeah. That kind of tracks. Like, yes. it's kind of similar energy. Yes. It kept reminding Love me it. of Six. But yeah, I just read this for the first time. Riss read it in the same class you read it in. Yes, but we weren't in the same class at the same time. No. But. Same lecture. Mm-hmm. Um, same lecture series. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, I'm actually curious why... Was it, it was in your cult classic class? Yes. What was the professor's, like, reasoning? Because I believe also that it's a cult classic, but, like, what was his reasoning behind why it is a cult classic? So... It's been a minute, but I'll just say, like, what I, why I think it's a cult classic. I mean, like, it obviously, like, strays outside of the lines of, like, normal society, um, in that, like, you know, it's about, uh, literally circus performers, essentially, and, like, I mean, it's just so abnormal, the content of the book, Mm -hmm. and the, like, the way that it's written, too, is, kind of like culty it's like a very specific voice which I don't I feel like you don't you don't see like books written like this very often and like I think also what classifies it as a cult classic technically speaking is that it found its audience like long after or like years after it was initially published I'm pretty sure like so many like famous people love this book yeah which is interesting like Kurt Cobain loved this book Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, love this book. Um, Nine Inch Nails, I read. Oh my gosh, yeah, like, so many artists have been influenced by this book, and, like, a lot of people really don't know about it at all, which I think is, like, kind of fun. And I feel like that's kind of what classifies it as culty. Like, it's very just outside of the norm, Mm -hmm. I would say. Whenever I hear the word cult, the first thing I think of is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, the Rocky Horror Picture Show of of literary fiction yeah well i also forgot to mention that there's literally a an actual cult in this book yes so um yeah (laughs) that also classifies it as a cult classic in my opinion i also found out when i was researching this book that this just reminded me of it because i said rocky horror it was turned into a play at some point and i think the play was actually well received and i was like i would like to see it yeah i know that there's a movie And and then Tim Burton owns the rights to it. And that kind of makes me a little upset. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, I feel like he might, if he does try to make it, I feel like, (laughs) what is he going to do with it? I'm scared. He's going to put Timothy Chalamet in it. (gasps) Wait a damn minute. Wait, Yes. (laughs) He has no limbs. Or I could see him being um, chick if they, like, dyed his hair. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I personally, I want to hear more about what, like, Marissa and Jess have to say. But I have a fresh brain. So if you'd like, I can kind of share my thoughts. First, First of all, context. I love freaks, you guys. American Horror Story Freak Show is my favorite season. Um, There's no way that Ryan Murphy didn't read this book and think, hmm, this would make a good TV show series or like good installment of American Horror Story. Like, I just find it suspect. That's exactly what he did. Mm hmm. Um, I pers- I like, I love Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. Marissa did not have the same thoughts, but I- that's also <laughs> freaks. And then I recently watched Nightmare Alley. And I liked the beginning of it, got a little lost in the middle, but the end to this day, craziest film, best film ending I've ever seen in my entire life. And it has to do with geeks. And that's the first time I found out what a geek really was. Can you explain what a geek is? Because like, I know what the, the novel's definition of what a geek is, which my understanding is like, just like a performer that like bites chickens heads off. A geek, it's kind of like a little bit hard 
to understand what actually is going on. But like a geek is basically, at least in old timey circuses, like the circus freak. And it's kind of hard to figure out because it seems like often the geek was not actually mentally disturbed or disabled. Just like in geek love, it's kind of known that it was part of an act Mm. to begin with. And I think... I don't know the actual history behind it. So it seems like it was not a great thing because either they were capitalizing off of mentally disabled people mm-hmm. or maybe maybe sometimes they were just acting, which is like fine. But then at that point, they're kind of like poking fun at mentally disabled people. Yeah, well, uh, I think I do kind of want to talk about like the problematic aspects of this because there are lots of like problematic things in this book and like they were um they stood out to me more actually this read through because like this is only the second time that I'm reading this book. I'm also glad I'm I'm excited to hear your thoughts because I'm glad that you just said that you read it again because I think I need to read this again. Oh yeah. Like I think I need to like take a little like not read it right away, right after, but like in a few months, read it again. Yeah. Um, Cause I will say, I don't know if it's like the time period that this book was written, but it is one of those books that's like a little bit harder to, you know, how sometimes like books written today that you can just like pick it up and read it and be done with it. Yeah. I did not quite have that experience with this book. Mm-hmm. It, it reminded me a lot. I took a black humor class, um, which was like looking at, this era in literature where the humor it's called black humor because it was just so it was funny but it was so bleak so it had like Kurt Vonnegut, Celine, Tropic of Cancer, Evelyn Waugh, uh, Day of the Locusts, all these really like mostly written in the 60s and 70s, dark, dark humor. And this book had that vibe. Yes. I did think it was a better, I liked this better than almost all, than all the books I read in that class. But it had that sort of energy to me. So that's why I'm like, I think I need to read it again. Because it's by no means an easy read. No, like it's in some ways it is a page turner, but it's not an easy read. Like it's, it's very, it's like very dark. Yeah. And, but it like, it's weird because like it, it treats it like all the dark things humorously in a way. Right. Like the fact that Ollie and um, Iffy are both like in love with Artie. With their brother. Yes, just what their the brother, just like him being their brother. And it's and just like so normalized. So it's so, there's incest. There's trigger, so warning. <laughs> trigger warning, incest. Trigger warning, if you're somebody who needs a trigger warning, which I totally understand, look them up because I can't even think of everything that would okay, be. Okay, I can probably, okay, sexual assault, body mutilation, slash sex work, body mutilation, incest uh, uh some homophobia a little bit i think and some probably some transphobia i think too definitely i, um, I, I feel like Artie should get his own trigger warning yeah oh yeah um, cults, if you have like an issue with like listening to things about like cults like this book has a cult in it so probably not for you it's just like every trigger warning in the book basically is this this what's it called when you're bigoted towards disabled people ableism ableism yeah 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 which is an interesting portion of it too i think yeah because it's like that's the thing is that it's obviously like in its intentions yeah like it's really trying to say a lot about being a freak not being normal and it's using disabled people or who we would call disabled to do that. Yeah. And in a way, it's weird because like I don't feel like obviously I'm not a disabled person. So like if there's like 
a disabled person who wants to come and say like you're completely wrong about this like I will concede yeah like in a way it does work because yes. like she doesn't treat them like they're like they can do no wrong or that like they are um just like pure above all other society you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. she treats them as like actual characters actual human beings like and some of them can be bad some of them can be literally though like I have thoughts that I want to share too in a moment that I don't know why this just came to me but Catherine Dunn said be who you are <laughs> she really <laughs> did right um but yeah that's what I kind of wanted to talk about like so Basically, this is all to say, I loved the vibes of the book. Um, I thought they were immaculate. I loved the writing style. Like Marissa said, it very much reminded me of Miss Jess. Um, And I was kind of pissed off because I read one review from back when this book came out in the 80s that was saying that the language was nothing to note. And I was like, dude, I opened this book and was shook to my core within the first few lines. Like, okay, but wait, hold on. Who wrote that? Was it a man? Man. Here we go. So I wanted to share instead quotes that I thought better represented how I felt about the language in this book. And I'm sure Jess and Riss felt the same that Karen Russell, who we all know and love, loves this book. And she said, describe the prose as pyrotechnic medium so far removed from our workday speech that it feels unfair and inaccurate to call that fire language English. Um, in a way yes I like, I agree. and then she said on um, the first time she read the book I felt electrocuted when I read that first page with Crystal Lil and her freak brood I stood there in the bookstore and my jaw came unhinged no book I've read before or since has given me that specific jolt and I think that's a nice way to describe it too um, so yeah the language the premise the vibes insane very insane the the they have their own um it's like they have their own dialect yes and like even like the narrator has their own dialect if that makes sense like it's very specific to the world and the thing that i like was like i feel like i want to say this and then i want to see what y'all think um was i was very disturbed by this book in a I love being disturbed that's my favorite kind of book mm-hmm. and I was very disturbed by m- most of the characters yes not all I saw way I, I everybody's entitled to their own opinion but I saw a lot of reviews of this book like when I was researching specifically like reviews from like famous people like we were talking about like Kurt Cobain love this book and Nine Inch Nails that they were like literally like be who you are for your pride like this book shows that you should like love like all families are disconventional but like this is love and family in its purest form and i was like is this fucking satire like i was so disturbed by this family and what they did to each other and the shit that these parents put their kids through and like art artie is a fucking maniac obviously and like I was like I do not this vibe is kind of low-key sometimes at some points showing the worst of the worst in humanity not the best in humanity and I don't know who they were referring to if they were referring to maybe the front story a little bit more than the back story but I was like that's so strange like I don't think this is not to me like a like it's not a feel-good book it's a book that you finish it and you're like I'm a little nauseous and like these parents are literally like possibly some of the most abusive parents in literature yeah like they literally start off with an abusive concept of like I am going to fuck my kid up before it even exits my womb like I'm gonna smoke crack while while I'm gonna do all these drugs I'm gonna do everything I can to fuck this baby up they're like they're murderous and they're like chugging their little their family around the country and like everything's a shit show and i'm like who is reading this and is being like be who you are like it is it's very how many people were scared me too i was really scared so that's as someone who just finished the book like a day ago two days ago that's a first impression okay 
and those Isn't are my it really scary to think about all the freaking babies that they just have in jars yeah oh yeah that's true who cried who cried yeah did you cry at the end jess no did you liza did you cry at the end no i did not <laughs> oh my god i cried i stopped i stopped in my bed i was like really <laughs> shit. yes i guess i can see why i don't really cry that but easy did you have a favorite character i feel like this is one of the only adult books that i've read that i had a favorite character who was your favorite character chick oh yeah chick is a good character spoiler he went boom and i was like no in my head i was like they hit the pentagon (laughs) they hit the fucking pentagon they hit the pentagon yeah well so chick is pretty unproblematic i would say my problematic fave is um wait what's her name one of the twins not iffy effie how come i can't remember her name because they're both for? all uh electra is one of them oh ellie wait is it ellie yeah ellie okay yeah she's my problematic fave ellie is yeah because she does some fucked up shit but also like she got lobotomized <laughs> but yeah just i i want to know more about like your specific thoughts on the tea on the tea okay well let's okay i there's just so many thoughts that i have about this book so let's kind of like split it up let's do let's do let's talk about the front story a little bit okay so i feel like we need to talk about um miss we need to talk about heaven oh not ezra miller they need to be in this book they really do. I mean, they would fit in so well. They would be like Artie. I was going to say, imagine if they were Artie. Oh my God. If they make this into a movie, please pardon Ezra Miller and put them. <laughs> Let them be in this movie in some capacity. Um, also, the timer is on. Just don't worry about it. When it ends, we'll just go back in a new link. Okay, word. Same link, new session. That okay, carry on. So, okay. The front story... So we have Ollie in uh, the present, and she is caring for um, her mother, Crystal Lil, and um, she's, like, spying on Miranda. This is for our our listeners, like a little catch-up. She's spying on her daughter, Miranda, who um, was made through, what would that be called? Artificial insemination? So, like, technically, she is the incestuous daughter of Ollie and Artie, who were both freaks in the freak show. And so she's, like, stalking Miranda, and Miranda has a tail. That's the only freakish part of her. And so Miss Lick comes into Miranda's life, and she's like, well, if you let me watch the operation when you get your tail cut off, I'll, like, pay for your everything, essentially. And so I was, like, really interested in, like, getting to the bottom of Miss Miss Lick this reading, and I don't know if I did, but, like, she comes off as, like, very, very, like, stereotypically, like, lesbian, like, coded character, and then she actually, or, like, the narrator actually addresses this, and, like, it's at one point, I, I wish that I had, like, the page number, I definitely underlined it, though, because, like, they... I think it's Ollie who says, like, she's not a lesbian and she doesn't, like, feel like any type of, um, oh, here it is. Oh, wait, actually, no, it's, like, it's dialogue from Miss Lick. People always assume I'm a lesbian. I'm not. I have no sex at all that I know of. No interest, no inclination, never have. But it's understandable that I give that impression. It doesn't bother me. So, asexual Miss Lick. But I was, like, really wondering why she chose to portray this character in that light and honestly I had to boil it down to homophobia (laughs) like I couldn't (laughs) I couldn't see it one way or the other like I was like this wasn't really necessary but also like she does like distance herself from it by saying I'm not lesbian so in a way excusable I don't know yeah sure 
Catherine Dunn, you have the go ahead for me. Also, I'm a little bit like that's so true, Bestie. And also she wasn't um, because she was had kids and was married to a man at, at like two different points or with men. Um, but Catherine's giving a little gay like. <laughs> yeah, like this book is giving like what? This book You're... is giving like a lesbian wrote this, but also it's giving homophobia. I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. And then there's like that. The, there's like this weird thing early on where there's like a trans woman, I guess, in this like freak show or I guess it's like a sideshow in like the strip club where yeah. Miranda performs and like they essentially like refer to her, I think, as like a man. Yeah, they use the wrong pronoun. And they're like um, talking about how like she's going to get a sex change from Miss Lick. And that's sorry, I'm looking for <laughs> I'm looking for the page. Yeah. Um, I can't fucking find it, but it's pretty early on. It and it's like just like a little taste of transphobia. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Um, what did you think of the front story? I would like to know. I, at first, didn't, I understand why we had it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I liked having both. Um, but definitely at first I was way more interested in the backstory. Yes. And so there was times where I was like, okay, I literally don't care. Like, I just want to be, I just want to see what's tea. But I think I can see why Catherine had a front story and a backstory rather than doing all, because there couldn't have really been an all front story. That would have been kind of weird. Um, Mm -hmm. in this scenario um but I can totally see why she didn't do all backstory yeah because it's kind of a lot it's a little bit like I'm like wondering which she wrote first I'm guessing it was the backstory yeah and perhaps it wasn't working the way that she wanted it to so she decided to you know like plop that in and I think, I think it was effective. I think it was too. And I think you kind of needed like this different example of parent in a weird way. Yes. Like you needed to see Ollie as a parent, even though she was removed from her child. You yeah. know what I mean? You need to see that against where she came from. Yeah. I think so too. And like, there's so much to say about this novel and like I'm just thinking about like in terms of like um like generational trauma yeah and like inflicted like the cycle of abuse Mm -hmm. because I feel like this is like very much a story where you see the cycle begin with um Al and Lil um when they decide to create this family of like circus freaks so that they can monetarily like benefit from it yeah and it just gets so toxic and out of hand that all of these things incest like literally they allow pretty much anything to happen right and it just goes off the rails Artie decides to make a cult um they don't care because it's making them money you know I also think like the backstory and the front story have a lot of really interesting parallels Yes. That I'm sure you're that I'm sure you're right that Catherine wrote the backstory first or pieces of it and then said I need a front story and then at some point decided to link them mm-hmm. not just through characters but through um actual sp- specific themes. Like, the mutilation, like, cutting off body parts yeah, is yeah. one thing that, like, you get that from the jump, and then you get it in the backstory even more so. You get mutilation and, like, just, like, destruction of the body, mm-hmm. like, so much in this. And I think that the, um, that's, like, part of, like, the, I guess you would call, like, the horror of this book is that like in general I think especially when this book was written people are like horribly afraid of becoming like disfigured or like in some way being disabled 
And like that doesn't even have to mean like physically. That can mean anything really. That can mean like mentally, emotionally, like honestly, even just if you're like at this point, if you were gay, you were you're out there. Right. <laughs> so like I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to put my words together on this in a way that makes sense. It's so hard, man. Like, I feel like I have to read it like a million more times just to like understand fully what is happening and like what the themes are. Like, I know like the general themes, but like, I want to know, like, it's just like, there's never, um, there's never an end to the amount of, analyzing you can do in a book and like I really (laughs) like I want to get to the bottom of geek love because I feel like it's really like rich in like so many things thematically um just like on the level of like the text like I feel like the sentence structure is even complex so it's like um I don't know if you and Jess talked about this when I popped out for a minute yeah but did you guys talk about how this book came to be a book <laughs> no I, I and I don't really have knowledge on that so I would like to hear it and see it so apparently um Catherine wanted to go for a walk with her son and she was like boy come for a walk with me and he was like no I want to play with my friends and so she got mad and on her walk she was like I wish I could make the perfect son and then she thought about it and she's like that's kind of boring. What if we made like imperfect children purposely? And that's that's how she made this because she was mad at her son. That's insane. Jess is being I disgusting. I love it. I'm so cool. sorry. We're just she talking said, about she did talk about geek love too much for me. I need a sig. I need a sig. This is very Catherine of you. I know, so lung cancer. For you, queen. For you, queen. That's really interesting, though, Marissa. Mm-hmm. She was a little unhinged, our girl. I know yeah. that it took the 10 years to write. Yeah, I read that. Which makes sense to me. It's going to take me 10 years to understand. Yeah. Like, ugh, it's so good. I don't... The other thing that, like, both of those, like, the origins of it made me think of this and just saying, like, you couldn't even be, like, gay in the times. So this came out in 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was obviously started being written in the late 70s. I think after reading this book, first of all, in a minute, I want to hear y'all's answers. Is this book horror? Like, is this a horror book? But first of all, I feel like if so, how cool is it that Catherine Dunn wrote this book being who she was when she did? Because I'm like, low key, I think we may have to consider her a mother of horror because we have Shirley Jackson writing in the 60s, in the 50s, doing absolutely batshit crazy Shirley Jackson stuff. And then horror is still, and like fiction that is like, disturbing repulsive that we love obviously but it's still largely written by men for decades so i think it was like very cool that Catherine was like no i'm gonna write this super creepy disturbing book about freaks and you guys are gonna have to deal with it i was like she's kind of a mother of horror in that way and when i was mentioning black comedy too black humor that was all it was all men who were doing that which is annoying, or it was all men who were getting popular. Um, but it's like, it's literally like women are so much funnier. So much funnier. And so she was like, you think men men write horror, men write dark humor, men write stuff that is disturbing and women are supposed to write, you know, I don't know what women were, what was considered women's fiction in the 80s, probably nothing much fun. Yeah, like... Like, can you think of another book that you've read that was written in the 80s, like, that was, like, this? No. Or in anywhere, like, near, like, the, the audacity that she had to, like, write this entire book? Right. Like, she was doing so. She had the audacity. So, yeah, that's, I just wanted to mention that because, like, she deserves a spot in the history books for this. 
but yeah do you guys would you like consider it horror i well personally i think that i would consider it like a uh, some sort of subgenre of horror like it could be like i think that it really could be considered body horror yeah i mean yeah. not in the way that like these um characters are like born with like disfigurements but that in the way that like they later like like when Artie is like cutting off like having people cut off their limbs and stuff like that to me is body horror because it's like let me think about this for a second Riss you go I think this is okay first reading it I was like no this isn't horror this is just like weird Mm -hmm. um and then getting to the end and having like that moment to reflect on the book because everything happens in this book fast in the sense that you're just like thrown into it and you just have to go with it Mm -hmm. um so once you have that moment where you like take a break from it or you finish it you kind of think about it and you're like yeah this is like effed up like this is horrifying i'm horrified by the acts of these people and therefore like yeah like this is horror and i think it's also it's interesting because that entire like subplot where of Artie's cult is essentially what able-bodied people do to disabled people without even realizing it um essentially making them assimilate to and i think that's the horror of it is like being put in the shoes of someone who is not normal and like I think to some degree everyone can relate to that in a way it's just like very it's very subtle horror I would say yeah it's it's like you have to think you you almost have to think about it for a minute yeah and it, it doesn't like play on like the normal like horror tropes you know like it doesn't there are no like nothing supernatural is happening like it's almost rooted like in like a normal like society Mm -hmm. and it's also kind of going back to what Liza was talking about earlier with that like review about it being like a a wholesome family that that is horrifying you know what I mean like like that is uh them not understanding the point is amazing and so it, it is kind of disguised like, oh, we love being freaks and like we're just one big, happy, freaky little family. Eh. But like, <laughs> besties, like stuff's not normal here. There's something about that that's really not OK. And the more I think about it, the more I think this is what we have with like cults cult fiction. Right. So if we like go back to Rocky Horror and we're like that movie is very much like be a freak like have some fun like do something fruity this people got apparently a subset of people got the same vibe they were like be be on the fringe of society be a freak be a geek like go off queen and we're like that's not what Catherine meant yes yeah but I can see how like it's funny almost because like we look at these books and these movies that get a cult following and then here you have a book that got a cult following with some people taking it serious literally and then it's like almost a parallel of the cult within the book itself yes yeah no I get that and also like if you think about it I mean like it's kind of manipulating you to feel that way about the um the family because I mean Ollie is the narrator and she obviously loves her family and like I think it would kill her if she could or well I mean you know no spoilers but um, like it would kill her to believe that what they were doing or like the entire premise of her family was horrible and like something that was bad you know like it, it she's like part it's like she was part of a cult like the family was a cult you know in a way like they're the Benuskis, like you know they're just like they obviously don't treat her well they don't treat any of their children well except for the ones that are making them money or the ones that they could potentially profit off of 
And so they treat their children like they're actually in a cult. And in a way, it, it, it like that makes sense that Artie would create a power structure in which he was the leader. Because like this is like the only power structure that he knows. And he wants, you know, he wants the power. And Ollie, she's just like a yes man type of character. And like the ending with the letter to Miranda, like she's like talking about how how great her family is and like how she's like comes from like a legacy that she shouldn't forget and that like it's important. Which like yes, but not for the reasons that Ollie thinks that it's important. You know what I mean? I do. <laughs> um I think something else interesting that we could brush upon is kind of do you think this book is feminist or anti-feminist it's so okay that question that's a loaded question marissa because so we have this plot of miss lick taking girls beautiful girls and having them mutilated for her own benefit for her own pleasure because she thinks that she's genuinely doing something right for these girls like she thinks that she is helping them because after they turn ugly they have to you know go out and get a job or whatever but I think that's very obviously like Catherine Dunn is not saying that Miss Lick is right because that would just be ridiculous to say and I mean we have a lot of women we have a lot of women in in this book and um all of them are in some way like exploited usually by men I don't know if I could call this like a feminist book simply because that's like the only like hint of it I feel like we get if that makes sense and like it's it's not something that I think the author would agree is like correct. Um, and it's also like, it's a mindset fueled by like capitalism. So like, like if you're not pretty, you can go out and get a job or you can go to like college and like, you know, get an education so that you can get a job and like be like Miss Lick, who literally is like the, what, isn't she like a CEO of a corporation, basically her dad's corporation and so i i wouldn't call it a feminist text uh i don't know like if if you guys like have like a counter argument like even if you don't believe in it like i would love to hear like the other side of this i don't have a <laughs> i don't have a counter argument the only thing i can say is that Catherine, going back to what i said earlier that Catherine dunn writing this book was a radical act. Okay, yeah. But I don't think it was a feminist text. Like, I would not include it in a feminist... uh, If I was teaching a feminist fiction class, I would not (laughs) teach this book. If I was teaching women in horror, maybe. Yeah. But I don't think Catherine Dunn would call it a feminist text either. I think if you said that to her, she'd be like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Like, she'd be, like, mean to you. (laughs) She'd bully you. She'd be like, what? She would. Yeah. What do you think, Marissa? Yeah, I don't, I think that there's a lot of, I mean, with anything that involves women, there's a lot of things that people can pick out and be like, wow, so feminist. But, or like, even be like, oh, well, that that shows the women experience. So it's so feminist. But like, it's not, (laughs) it's not besties. It's just not what the text is like primarily discussing. And like, I really don't think that, I think that the Miss Lick thing is like, it's showing like a subgenre of person. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there were plenty of people who were reading this in like the 80s and like early 90s and stuff. And they were thinking, oh, wow, she's got Miss Lick. She's got a point or something like that. Like if, if women were uglier, they would be able to do so much better you know <laughs> Which oh, is like in retrospect in retrospect that um that doesn't seem like a very good take <laughs> it's not a very good take but it's like something that like this character has to think because like she herself is like 
not considered a beautiful person and Ollie even like considers her a freak like she like the first time that she like goes to meet Miss Lick at the pool they're like in the locker room and she's like she like sees her and she's like oh what a freak she's like she's a freak too but I'm like scared of like what she'll think of me like if she'll even like be taken aback by me and then she's like oh well she was like she like looked at me and she was startled so she's still like normal in that way mm-hmm. so she like lacks like um she lacks the perspective that ollie has yeah and that's like that's kind of like i would say like people who have like lesser what what's the word like lesser freaky things about them <laughs> Like, if it's not completely visible that you're a freak, I imagine that other people where they have to live their lives and, like, people are looking at them because they look a certain way, like, yeah, I can just, I see that. Does that make any sense? I'm, like, rambling. It makes complete sense. And I also think that now that y'all are saying this, I can see how second wave feminists may have thought this was a feminist text but in fourth wave feminism we know it is not yes so i think the same people who are getting confused about the be who you are aspect of this would say to your point when she was like oh yeah if women were uglier (laughs) life would be better but now that we know in fourth wave feminism that has nothing to do with shit about shit in terms of equal rights we're like please this is not a feminist text especially like she knew as she was writing it she knew like she was criticizing miss lick obviously like i mean it's very obvious that like miss lick is like a she is an out there character and she's almost as bad as artie yeah, but I think some, like, it's almost like um, that woman who wrote the Scum Manifesto. Do you guys know this lady? She was crazy. I love her because she hated Andy Warhol, but otherwise <laughs> she was a very crazy lady. Oh, but- wait, didn't she, didn't she try to shoot him? Yes. Yeah, I know her. And Lena Dunham played her in something. Yes, but the second wave feminist and Lena Dunham might read <laughs> this lick and be like, queen like yeah whereas Catherine Dunn and us today are like no 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 like that is not correct and one more thing to add to that the fact that there is so much homophobia not so much but the fact that there is homophobia and transphobia in this book makes it not feminist whereas second feminists love to be transphobes um so they'd eat that up whereas we're like no trans women are women (laughs) yeah feminist text but yeah i agree i think you said it all liza um i don't know if jess knows this but Catherine is actually and also this is another conversation we can get in but Catherine is releasing a new book this year even though she's deceased and let me think so the cover looks really friggin' cool um and i think it's about 1970s portland so it was written before geek love and okay here's the thing like she's dead and obviously she's had this for a while and she didn't publish it and now that she's not around it's going to be published and i feel kind of weird about that but I mean, that's that's a that's a moral argument that we could probably go back and forth on all day. But uh, yeah, so the cover looks so cool. It looks really great. I also heard that she that there's another one coming out that's a collection of short stories. But I haven't I did not find a lot of information about that. Um, something else that's fun is if you go to Catherine Dunn's website, which is CatherineKarenDunn.com. Um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there is a uh, an artist who made little comic strips out of a few scenes, and it gave me the most crazy heart feelings. And I want them. I wish that they would make a whole entire graphic novel from this book because it would be beautiful. Um, I would love a graphic novel of Geek Love. I feel like honestly, like it, it would work. It would. You work should go look at the lot. comic strips because it's they're so good. 
And I'm like, yeah, why yeah. wouldn't he do more? Why did he only do three? <laughs> what a crazy woman. Catherine, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love her. Me too. I, Damn, like, Liza, look at you go. Ugh, I don't know. I just really, I really love this book for like a plethora of reasons. And I think that it should be mandatory reading for a lot of people. But if they're going to take away that this is a feminist text and that like the family was like literally like so loving and good, like maybe they shouldn't read this. <laughs> like if you don't have an if you don't have any critical thinking skills, don't read this book. But if you do, I say it's a good read. And if you have like a, a thick stomach lining, then I, I'd say read it. But if you like get triggered easily, I would say no, don't read this because it will trigger you. But yeah, oh, we could talk about this. Like I literally, honestly, I feel like we should like, <laughs> like every season come back to Geek Love and just talk about it. Deal. Honestly, I- I'm here for that. Can we invite Eric on an episode? <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. I'm sure that he'd love to discuss it with he us. He would love it. He would. People who are inspired by Geek Love, not from a writing standpoint like Jess, but from a like an inspiring um, standpoint, remind me of people who watched The Joker and were like, exactly, Joaquin. They were like, and I'll do it. And we were like, no. <laughs> They're like, yes, we should shoot Robert De Niro. They were like, we should be incel mass shooters. Like, like people read this and they were like, we should be arty. Yes, like literally. And like, I don't, I really don't understand how you can like Artie as a um, character at all. Like he's very horrible. Like he has virtually no redeeming qualities. Can you imagine friggin' having to rub your friggin' uh, shark boy brother down with some like oil, (laughs) like constantly? I'd kill myself. Like Ollie like adores that time. And like, it's really confusing to me because, well, actually it's not confusing at all. If you come from like a house in which abuse is like normalized then like already like being mean and like um telling ollie what to do all the time is like him her thinking that he like wants her around and that like if she just does this stuff for him like he'll love her you know mm-hmm. and like the only really the only people in the family who have their head hurt their heads on like halfway straight are chick and ellie mm-hmm. and chick is like severely mentally ill in a oh. sad way <laughs> he's a very oh. depressed baby they're like subplot of him like essentially like becoming like a vegetarian because like he can't deal with like the meat talking to him mm-hmm. and like everyone's just like and like already like taunts him he like yeah. he's like which no i want you to like cut it up using your powers because then like it, it's crazy man like this book like we could literally talk about it for so long right like, i just skimmed the surface with this it's really crazy it's so good it's such a good book it's such a good book like it's one of my favorites you know like not only because of like like I am definitely inspired by like the themes and the um content but also like just the way that it's written like it's written like very beautifully for something so horrible Mm -hmm. written so matter-of-factly like like it doesn't shy away from what it is yes you could literally like have a whole class on geek love like just mm-hmm. get a phd in geek love <laughs> oh my god i would love that like like it really is like like it, i'm glad you like said all that too because like it was like when i finished the book i was like i marissa and i have a section on the podcast when we do reviews where we're like would you read this again and this book isn't a would you read it again? It's a I literally have to read it again. Yeah. And I think that's kind of rare to find. Yes. Okay. Especially like in a book that is um, how many pages? 
this. It's 355 pages in mine. That's kind of a long read, I would say, um, compared to other books that I read. But I don't know about you guys, but like I tend to stick to like 100 to 200 pages, you know. You know, I like a short little ditty. But I read... <laughs> Recently, I read A Little Life um, by, I forget the author's name, but it's, like, basically known as, like, the big sad book. I think it's, like, Yes. Yeah. And that is a book that I can never read again. Just because, and I mean, like, I enjoyed it. It was good. But it, it was so, like, emotionally draining. It was very, very sad. And, like, Geek Love is not like that because I think because mm. humor it's like it's almost it's like the best word for geek love to describe it as a book is crass like it's just crass yeah. all around the humor like the um horror like the writing itself it's like crass like I mean like they they say things in this book that like we would say to each other in 2022 you know like they'd be like stop stop being such a fuck ass or something like I don't know like that's how they talk to each other and it's (laughs) it's so it's like it's almost um you're like what am I reading (laughs) when you're like reading it so I don't know I love it Crass, and I would never think of that word to describe us as well. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you guys, I think we might be crass. I think we're a little crass. I think and we're all crass. <laughs> I think that being crass. Well, here's the thing: crassness is so good to me because it's not, it like knows it knows that it's it's um it's not acceptable, but it decides to do it anyway. Yeah, I like about it. And I feel like your writing does that a lot, Jess. Well, join us next season where we will be once again talking with Jess about geek love again. (laughs) Like in July or whatever, the last episode, season finale of season three. We (laughs) would love that. I mean, I'm here for it. I'm so here for it. I'll read it again. I'll read it again. I would also love an episode on freaks in literature because it is one of my favorite horror esque mm-hmm. genres. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, we love lit. F- like someone the other day was like, "I didn't know you were a lit fic girly," and I was like, "I'm a lit fic girly to my fucking core to the end." To the end, to the like, end. I love literary fiction and I, specifically the of the horror magical realism variety. Top yeah. tier. This is not magical realism. No, at all. It is real. <laughs> uh, well, realism. I don't it's know. Like realism at some points. It's kind of strange like that. Yeah, like some of the stuff. Like I'm like, oh, I guess that couldn't actually happen in real life. But then I'm like, Loki, it kind of could. Well, I guess chicks, um, like his power yeah that's like the only part that's kind of speculative yeah otherwise though this shit is um harrowing mm-hmm. harrowingly real <laughs> jess do you have anything you want to plug oh um go follow me on instagram at big dambo b-i-g-d-a-m-b-o and um yeah because i post really nice pictures and maybe someday someday i'll be announcing that my stuff gets published so you could read you could read it look out for jess taking the world by storm doing the damn thing thank you for having me on as a guest i really enjoyed this and i think that our tradition of like talking about geek love is going to be just amazing yeah thanks for coming best boyon yeah thanks for being on with us and thank you everyone listening for sitting with us through another season a second season of the little sleep much reading podcast we did it guys we did it they did it may did it 
Did you say May did it? I said they did it. Oh, but also May did it. Shout out to May for our logo. <laughs> Shout out to Lexi for our intro. Thanks, guys. You guys did it. You guys did it. <laughs> maybe we'll have maybe we'll have merch next season designed with May's beautiful logo. We have to talk yeah. to May May about that. We do. That'd be lovely. We gotta pay that girl <laughs> some coins. Money. Cash money. Yeah, but that's all she wrote. The only other thing is. Um, when we return to you, when you will be hearing our voices again, it'll be in a very special place. Um, we do not have our episodes planned for this out, planned out quite yet for this. Um, but me and Liza will be bringing Little Sleep Much Reading to you from the beautiful sunshine of Aruba. So get ready for that, besties. Aruba! With the flamingos. Flamingos! Little Lizzies. Um, and we're going to sneak some lizards back to the USA in our carry-ons. We're doing uh, it. We're doing it. They're, the, they're going to be the mascot. Don't worry about it. We're getting lizards. <laughs> I love it. Um, but that's truly all she wrote. Thank you guys for listening to us talk about books. And thank you, Catherine Dunn, for being a fucking weirdo. Yeah. We love you, Queen. <laughs> Rest in peace. Love you. Oh my god, what a priest.